Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. Tyler, make a wish. It's 11-11. I am David Bax. (laughs) Try to guess what my wish was. (laughs) No, I don't want to say it out loud because then it won't come true. Mm, It already already hasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What did I say? I'm David Bax. Yes, there we go. And thank you for listening. David, how you doing aside from feeling silly? Uh, I'm not feeling silly. Just like when it's 11, 11, you have to seize the moment. It only lasts sure. a minute. Yeah. Carpe and diem. You got to make that wish. Yeah. Um, uh, and I also, because I have always kept my phone on military time. Cause mm-hmm. it just seems to my brain that just seems more logical. There's only one 11, 11 a day for me. Right. There's not two. Yeah. There's just the one in the morning. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're uh, a rare morning record for us. Late, late morning, but uh, yeah, we're normally late night recorders. Yeah. This um, is not my not my time of day, especially because I I woke but, up oddly early this morning and couldn't get back to sleep. I feel like the listeners are going to get sick of us talking about a recording schedule, but it is really like it feels like since the end of august early late august early september like uh like the olivia says movie uh late august early september since then our schedule has just been fucked up and it's going to keep being fucked up until after the oscars probably yeah that's probably about right yeah it's just between vacations and film festivals and holidays yeah uh we're recording all kinds of weird times um so yeah we're, we're recording this episode on a sunday morning and um uh but i've also been up for a while okay uh, been awake for a while because I, I I got up and I walked the dog and exercised and stuff I like that. You did that just and like in total silence, no, kind of in a Zen type of thing. It's funny you should mention it. Oh, okay. Because while I was doing it, I was listening to my tweakedaudio.com oh, earbuds. Oh, that you makes see, sense. Listeners, tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a ver- in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day. Like I said, I was using them today. I was listening to the new album by a band that uh, I. Known of for a few years, they have a new album coming out. I don't know how to pronounce their name. Okay. Um, how would you say this, Tyler? Obsequie? Obsequie? Okay. okay. Uh, but they, uh, they're like a, a, a black metal band. They have a new album out. Uh, sounded great on my. Um, yeah, listeners, it's O B S E Q U I A E. Obsequie? Yeah, something like that. Sequia or Sequia. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're really good, and it sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds. Uh, those are available uh, at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Is it off-putting when someone goes off script? <laughs> you had to make that wish. You know? I mean, fine. Next time it's 11-11, I won't alert you to it, All right. and, and your wish will go unmade. Um, okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes. 
let's get into it shall we we have a very fun uh, this is this is a season of uh serious like end of year end of and right. end of uh, decade yeah. episodes but well, we a time of reflection day and, and we'll have of course we'll have like a holiday episode as well we have mm-hmm. a lot of like sort of rituals and traditions that we observe on the podcast this time every year but we found some time for a f- just a fun one yes uh and it was suggested no by substance a, at all uh <laughs> it was suggested by our very fun guest mm-hmm. whom i think you were going to introduce right now well, you're correct, David. I've got good news for you. Uh, yeah, uh, he's been on uh, before. It's been a while because he moved away because he decided he's got you know better things to do or whatever. Um, it is uh, you know our own favorite private dick, Ryan O'Leary. Ryan, how you doing? Hi, Tyler. Actually, it's been so long that I moved here and moved away since I've been on the show proper. Is that true? Oh, yeah. that's right. Because we had you. That's right. Yeah, we had you for commentaries when you lived commentaries. here. That's right. right. Yes. Um, you're also Ryan. Thank you for being here. You're also a filmmaker. Well, thanks <laughs> for flying me out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Tyler likes to introduce you as a private dick because that's how you uh, pay the bills. But uh, you're a filmmaker. Yeah. And you're Here's in- the thing. I know filmmakers. <laughs> I know other filmmakers. I only know one private detective. So that is how I'm going to think of this guy. But you're in town with a short film. Yes. That played at a festival, uh, the Sherman Oaks Film Festival Friday night. Correct. Um, I'm sorry I wasn't there. Thanks for your support, guys. <laughs> uh, You're here, right? That's this is our version of support. Before we get into the the very fun topic, uh, tell us about your your, your short film. Sure, um, it's a short film that was adapted from what was supposed to be my second feature film, which came very close to getting fully financed back in 2016. Um, we had a few pretty decent, recognizable actors attached. Anyway, the money fell through for the most part. And I'm going to avoid saying the stuff that can make someone Google everything that actually happened. But if you look up my name and the last year and variety, you could see who was attached at one point. Um, One of those people being the lead actor who fell through, fell through in a pretty crappy way and kind of boned us on Mm. a few things. But anyway, so we still had like a chunk of money from that feature and about a year or so after not making any progress, my one producer suggested adapting it into a short film, which usually I think when you do that, you have like this key centerpiece scene that you could just like knock out of the park. The average scene length in this feature is probably like a quarter to half a page. It's a lot of tight little scenes that feed into each other. So we couldn't really do that. So at first I wasn't into the idea, but then I kind of figured out an angle for it and brought it down to this 14 minute short. And we were lucky enough where a couple of the actors who were attached stayed through for the short, and we ended up getting like a ridiculously overqualified cast. So we had uh, Reed Burney's in it, who won a Tony Award a couple years ago. Uh, Kathy Curtin, who's on Orange is the New Black, Stranger Things, Insecure. She's in a ton of stuff. She has like three lines in it and showed up. Hmm. Um, Lee Bay Barrar is in one scene at the very beginning. She's in one minute of the film, and she was on uh, Sneaky Pete. Um, but yeah, we ended up getting this great, great cast. And just so I don't feel bad, but we have a great who's awesome actress who's in these Disney Teen Beach movies and then our lead is uh, Sam Bartholomew which I learned I've been pronouncing wrong I learned at our <laughs> Q&A the other day despite the fact that the first time I Skyped with him I'm like how do I say your last name it's not Bartholomew but I'm not going to try to say it the way he did then because I will botch it you can look okay. it up it's it's a challenging one but Sam's awesome guy he was on um, Bartholomew I th- 
He's, it was close to that, but Bartholomeos. I've corrected people with my pronunciation over the last couple of years, and then it was just crushing at the Q and A when he introduced himself. But he uh, he was also he was on uh, Star Trek Discovery with I believe friend of the show Doug Jones. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So he uh, yeah. so yeah we got this really overqualified cast. We shot the short in three days, but since we filmed it in December, it wasn't finished for that year's festival deadline. So it's been almost two years since we shot it, and it's getting around this year but it, it's been fun taking around and um, uh, i've learned a lot about what happens to short films when they're played at film festivals well uh, i'm gonna ask about that in a second but first off i want to tell you q a wise don't feel bad about mispronouncing your actor's name because i'm reminded of a year ago at the q a after the screening of bird box that's right when the director uh, susanna beer is beer, that yeah. beer? Um, had, uh, in the cast is the actor David Desmalchian, which is not, uh, it's a mouthful of a last name. And I can't, she said something like Delmstatchian or something. And it just, I just looked over at him and he was laughing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it happens even to uh, people who are premiering Netflix movies that will go on to inspire memes uh, at the AFI Film Festival. I think an even worse version that I heard. Um, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, oddly enough, but the guy who wrote Perks of Being a Wallflower, who also directed the movie, my friend went to a book release for, I want to say, either his wife's book or his book, and one of the actors who has a supporting role in that movie, and this was only like two years after it came out, was there and went to say hi to him after, and he didn't realize who it was. And it was someone with like a decent amount of screen time. Um, You know know what, though? Like I remember uh, a few years ago on the show, we had uh, Bill Duke on, and I was I wanted to talk to him about like directing episodes in like TV movies of Nero Wolf because I love that show. And it's not that he forgot that he did it, but he was just like he enjoyed it, but it was just kind of a gig for him. So he didn't really have any stories or anything to tell. Was, yeah, OK. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. But then I realized like, yeah, that's just kind of how it is. Like there will be people, honestly, who. Listeners of the show who will reference something that you or I have said, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that I mean, that happens like really recently. Like yeah. people, people will comment on the past week's episode on Twitter, and I'll be like, yeah. I'm sorry, what are you referring to? Yeah. But um, uh, last one of these type of stories, and I will absolutely not name names here uh, of who of who said this. But at the last year at the uh, Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society Award Show the way it works is that a member each, uh, each category is introduced by a member of the critics group. Um, and, uh, someone I won't say who was introducing a category in which Alex Wolf was nominated and (laughs) referred to him as Nat Wolf. (laughs) Here's the thing. Are you so invested in, either of the wolves yeah. <laughs> that you're going to get them mixed up. Yeah. Apparently. I've got an Alex Wolf story. Okay, um, okay. So he was a featured guest at the San Antonio film festival this year. And one of the actresses from my film, apparently I think she was on the naked brothers band with him. I want to say, okay. and he posted a picture on Instagram the night before of him with her. So I'm like, Oh, I should probably talk to him. Anyway, I ended up spending a decent amount of time with him into the night. And my friend slash producer wasn't feeling well and went to bed early. So I'm out with Alex Wolf, and this is going to take a second for me to pull up, so I won't do it right now. Um, it was, you know, it was late at night, and I'm like, would you want to wake up my friend doing the 
noise from hereditary <laughs> and he was really into the idea so we snuck into the hotel room and he woke up my friend like two inches from his face and splashed a little water on him making that noise anyway i got a picture of alex wolf in uh bed with my friend <laughs> and uh he was surprisingly very down because i said it to him and he's like oh, that sounds kind of cool and then he found me like a half an hour hour later he was just pumped he's like i, I want to do this idea. <laughs> so it was really cool and uh that was my experience with the Wolfman. Um, sure. Now, uh, before we get into the topic, I wanted to—I said I was going to come back to ask you. Uh, you had some stories about the about uh, uh, the difficulties of presenting a, a short film at, at these sort of short film festivals and, and whatnot. Yeah, there's a number of them that I guess because it's been a while since I had a short that I tried to take because we did the backseat did a festival run it being a feature. There's certain things that they don't screw up as much, such as the aspect ratio. Mm -hmm. Um, But with this short is like, you know, we shot it in scope. So it's a wider ratio. And one issue that's come up at pretty good festivals, too. And I know how it happens. So. What a lot of them will do to make a smooth experience, whether it be for a short film block or a feature film block, they'll go into Adobe or Avid and put everything onto one timeline and maybe put bumpers between the films. And I think when they do that, they don't always check the original ratio of the film. And so what happens is you end up having it stretched or with the sides cut off. And the last shot of our short, like like a quarter of Reed Bernie, or you know, one of our main actors, you don't see that part mm. of his face. And huh. it's happened like four or five times out of like probably about 30 screenings. So it doesn't happen too much, but it is a bummer because like we shot it that way for a reason. And it's not even like a little arts. It's just getting certain information across like what they like with the Simpsons. Yeah. Controversy with Disney plus it's like, which they said they by like in January they'll fix, which is now, do you know if it's true? Cause I only heard this from one source, but I heard that that won't be in HD though is the thing. Um, I hope it's not the case. Not that I think I'm going to watch it. But, but w- I mean, early Simpsons wouldn't have been finished in HD. Yeah, right. So I, who cares? Yeah, like, I guess uh, you could still, I don't know. I feel like you could still remaster it in some way, but even, but I don't know. Cause it's not, it doesn't exist on no. film. It's not like going back and, you know, an old show that never aired in HD, but was shot on film. You could yeah. do no. HD, but if it was shot and finished in video, like I think, a while ago, Tyler and I, you and you and I, Tyler, you and I were talking about uh, the critic. Like, as mm-hmm. like I, when I was getting rid of a lot of like DVDs that I had, I was like, well, I'm not going to get rid of my critic set, yeah, because it's it's, it's not going to get any better. Like, like yeah, it's always going to be in be. standard def. So I, I would almost rather see early Simpsons in yeah. standard def because that's yeah. what it was finished in. Um, as opposed to some fake uprising thing, but uh, so I have questions about 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 the technical aspects. That's what people really tune into this podcast for. So at these at a short film festival like the well, well okay, so the Sherman Oaks Film Festival is not a short film festival, no. but it has a shorts program. A and lot and, of it's shorts, and so one. your short, which is called The Lost Weekend, yes, um, is and that's. Very cute that the feature was called The Lost Year, and you cut it yeah, down. Yeah, cut to it the down. Lost to that, which also, um, maybe not the best idea when there's already a pretty famous Billy Wilder movie yeah. called yeah. that, but it's also fun. picture and various other things. Yeah. But that reminds me of when, um, uh, who was I think it was Kino who put out two versions of the Mario Bava Black Sunday. They put out the original, like, Italian cut with, like, the full, like, blood and like you know uh people's faces burning and all, all the all the crazy stuff 
And then when they put out the like American, the edited American release, the cover art is just a cropped version of the art from the Italian release. Um, anyway, so uh, the last we can hear is is is. Uh, being presented in a block of shorts usually sometimes it'll be packaged right before a feature and be the only short or with one other short before a feature so in either case for a film festival what are you required in what format are you required to deliver it varies drastically so the bigger nicer festivals will want a dcp or something and that happened with um what is it the san jose international short film festival because they had like a gorgeous theater in uh God, what's the name of the district? Uh, anyway, there's this nice part of San Jose with, like, it's all walkable, and there's a Tesla store right by there. I made okay. a joke about that because I was like, anyone want to finance my movie? You have a fucking Tesla store right there. <laughs> um, but so, like, that one, it, the movie sounded and looked amazing, but it ranges from anything. There's ones that want a stereo mix. There's ones that want a 5.1 mix. It's screened off of, like, a compressed MP4 download, which, honestly, when it's on some of these smaller theaters, it kind of doesn't matter you're not going to see a difference but sometimes they'll want a super high res like in the case of like a short it could be like 30 to 60 gig file that they'll have you upload to a server so it's i've had it requested in a number of formats Hmm. and i've also had it requested where they ask you specifically to in my case to have the black bars burnt in for you know just so like they don't screw it up then i've had ones request that you don't so, like, I just have basically um, a Hightail account with each version of the movie that okay. I've put after the experience of seeing in the wrong aspect ratio. I have a pretty strongly worded piece about, like, download this one if you're going to try to fit it to, like, a 185 size screen. And hopefully they follow that. The yeah. last the last few screenings, it's been in the right ratio. But that's, like, a thing I didn't know I had to worry about. And I don't, I don't think it's a lack of care as much as it's really easy to overlook when you're programming and and when you're like like you said they're creating a new file that's linking all of these things yeah that's that's difficult um anyway yeah i was uh fascinated to hear that uh and you answered pretty much all my questions (laughs) about the the technical and so uh let's get into it which i already said but i'm saying it again Mm -hmm. uh i'm making up for some past episode where i forgot to say my catchphrase i'm sure um uh, Ryan, you wanted to talk about fictional movie bands. Yeah. And this was a very fun topic because I, I had a number that jumped into my head immediately. And then when I started looking up, I was like, oh, my God, there's so many great mm-hmm. bands. Um, and, of course, I have to uh, acknowledge the fictional TV bands that I can't. We won't be talking about today, like Drive Shaft and like uh, Dingoes Ain't My Baby from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Crucifictorious. Uh, Crucifictorious is definitely Central. one that, uh, yeah, that I that I would have wanted to put on there. Um, and my wife wanted me to mention wanted me to mention uh, the band The Color Green from the movie Girl, which I've never seen, but she was like that was the first thing uh, that popped into her her, her mind. So uh, shout out to The Color Green. But uh, I don't know how do we want to uh, how do how do we want to attack this, guys. I can tell you what brought it to yes, mind. Yes, let's do so that. I made, so the back seat. I know you guys are putting at the top of your best of the decade list. I uh-huh. appreciate that, but right. I think for journalistic integrity, okay, don't do that because okay. we know each other, um, which you can watch on Amazon Prime now. Uh, I had to make a fictional band, and it was called Witness My Jehovah, and I made a lot of deliberate choices because I knew some of the actors had varying levels of experience, and they're supposed to be a shitty punk band anyway. So like a lot of the songs were limited to three power chords and things like that. But what I think what put this on my mind was a few months ago I watched Always Be My Maybe, which is 
fine. Okay. It's not, not a bad movie, but the band that uh, Randall Park is in, that people go to see, one, I just found to be like offensively not convincing as a band. And like they didn't even try to pretend to play their instruments. And I have their name in here um, somewhere. But I just, it really stood out to me. Like, why didn't they try? It's called Hello Peril. And did either of you see the no. movie? It's 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 not bad, but the uh, the band aspect of it, where they're playing, you know, they have a following in uh, Seattle or wherever the movie takes place, and it's just like, have, have these people been to a concert? And like the guy playing the drums, you could see that he's not actually hitting the cymbals. Yeah, and this is like a pretty well produced movie. Like, but this was this these were songs that were written for yeah. the movie. I would just yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. And yeah, that's that's dodgy. It's rare when that works out. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of times a lot of the bands I'm thinking of they perform like uh one of the first ones that came to mind for me is Citizen Dick from Singles, Matt Dillon's character's band, and they that's right. like I think when we we don't really hear much of them. I think when we do hear them, they're playing like a mud honey song or whatever. That's like supposed to be their song. Or at least he talks about a song. That's a mud honey song. Um, but then when, when Matt Dillon does, we do see him writing a song on his own. It's terrible and it's, but it's supposed to be terrible. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think you definitely, I mean, Tyler and I have talked before, like if you're making a movie that's about a fictional, I don't know, photographer, it's supposed to be one of the greatest living photographers. Yeah. The photographs in the movie either don't show them or they better be really good. My, um, my go-to is usually Mr. Holland's Opus, which is a movie that I don't mind. But then at the end when they play this idea, it's like he's he'd been working on this bit of music for a long time, but then just did teaching to kind of pay the bills. And before you know it, that's been his whole life. And so finally, like his ex-students like play this bit of music and it's fine, but I was just like, oh, geez, it's a good thing that teaching thing worked out because <laughs> this wasn't that great. Um, incidentally, I did Maybe have another... Maybe the point of the whole movie we've been getting wrong is he would have written better music if he hadn't been distracted by the teaching career. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, there was another TV band, but I wanted to make sure I got the name right. Okay. Which is Rod Torfelson's Armada featuring Herman Menderchuk yeah. uh, from Kids in the Hall. She's a tramp, she's a tramp, she's a trampoline girl. Yeah. <laughs> this also made me think of, uh, so if you think music and photography is hard to communicate, the one thing I don't know if I've ever seen done well in movies or TV is a fake viral video. Oh, yeah. It's always some, like, horseshit thing where it's like, oh, you fell down the stairs, the whole school's talking about it, and, like, it's oh. ne- it never works. Like, the best Friday Night Lights, again, when there's the uh, it's a serious storyline where the girl is like drunk and perhaps like um, taking advantage of at a party, and there's a, a video of it that, that that goes up. But the part that makes me laugh is the fake like Facebook or MySpace that they invented uh, for Friday nights, which is called friendpost.net <laughs> or uh, Veronica Mars, which I rewatched. Their equivalent of Google for the first three seasons is Planet Zowie. <laughs> 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 but I, I don't know. I mean, like the fact that something called Google became something like a household name. Yeah. Maybe there's Not an exactly. alternate universe sure. in which we're all just saying. So I zowied the yeah, movie starting go. time. And we, we've got a seven o'clock and a nine. No, they'd say the whole thing. Yeah, I plan to zowie it. Also, it um, does it, like at some point, some movie or TV show is going to just call it face space, right? Like that actually sounds like a, cause you're combining think, MySpace and Facebook and like, I, it, it might've happened by now, but I think, uh, it might have happened before, but but at this point, MySpace is a distant memory. So sure, referencing course. that, it, yeah, yeah. it's not going to happen. Funny people has that joke about uh, what is it? There is a MySpace Facebook joke that I'm not remembering at all. James Except, Taylor is at yeah. a at like a, a MySpace uh, event, 
And at one point he has to say, fuck Facebook, which is kind of amusing to hear uh-huh. James Taylor say that. But that's how that's all I remember. Yeah, I think it's that. I think it's fuck Facebook in the face. I think might be the <laughs> might be the line. And I think did Seth Rogen like write it for him and then he said it or anyway. But also kind of yeah. that's the other thing, too, that you see done poorly that I you know you, you've talked about on the show, too, is when they try to do comedy I, in movies. There are so few movies in which the stand up comedy is convincing. Obvious Child is the only one I can really think of where I actually believe that these uh, that Jenny Slate and um, is it Gabe Delahaye is her best friend? Do you guys see Obvious yeah. Child? Mm-hmm. Um, and they they're actual comics and they are actual comics. And I believe they're comedy because yeah. there are even movies where like. <laughs> What was that movie, the the hero with uh, Sam Elliott and um, oh, yeah. Laura Prepon? Like um, uh, Ali Wong, speaking of always mm-hmm. maybe, and um, Cameron Esposito are both in it as comics doing their. But it, it's just so fake seeming. Like it's yeah. it's not just go do your act on stage. It's creating the sort of feel of a comedy club or, or a comedy theater. It's it's so rarely done correctly. Obvious Child is really the only one that I can really think of that did it i feel like the big sick does pretty well but uh, again that's they're okay. all yeah stand-ups um yeah when an, when an actor does it like my currently my least favorite movie of the year is that movie the last laugh with chevy chase and richard dreyfus and dreyfus has to play like an aging comic who goes back on stage and dreyfus actually isn't bad as far as cadence and and stage presence but also just like the the jokes they give him are just so just awful but the audience is laughing and i want to be like what are you laughing at you know this isn't funny and then i was like oh right no they're they're laughing because that the script needs them to um right yes so (laughs) as far as uh as far as bands back to that but yeah with bands movies you have the climat or not even the climactic scene where they'll play a show somewhere and people are going nuts every time they're really into it or they're so not into it and they're throwing bottles at the band which like i guess happens sometimes but yeah, that's the other thing. Even when the music can feel sort of authentic, like sometimes they'll screw up like the crowd response. And it's just like, have you, have you gone to like a local, like a small club? Like people aren't <laughs> losing their mind over like, you know, the high school band that's opening the big gig. Like, yeah, it just doesn't happen. If the band sucks, then you just hear people talking to each other yeah. and waiting for the, the band they want to see. Unless you're um, un- unless that's part of the tone of the movie. Like, for example, that thing you do with the wonders, you know, is that the film itself is stylized to feel, to have this nostalgic feeling and like seeing like young high school girls, like freak out over this new sound and these good looking guys in the band and all that. And so the idea that they freak, I guess they don't freak out a hundred percent, but like some of them, like it just really works for them. But again, that's, that's a movie that's almost sort of playing the essence of that. Also the band is really good and well, the song the is thing, really good the literally the first two bands that came to my mind when 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 i heard we were going to do this topic is the wonders or the oneaters mm-hmm. and josie and the pussycats and the josie and the pussycats movie which has something in common which is that the songs were written or co-written by adam schlesinger from fountains oh, yeah. of wayne so he's like the go-to guy i guess for making believable uh good fictional movie music like and, i mean I, i've listened and adapting to the period as well yeah, with uh, yeah. that thing you do i have listened to the josie and the pussycats song like i just listened to those as songs they're really good songs um and so that gets it what are some what are some bands fictional bands from movies that we would actually want to go see in concert i uh, i'll run down a couple while you guys think about your answers hedwig and the angry inch sure yeah uh sex bomb mm-hmm. yeah. um uh the ain't rights from green room oh yes uh, is a band that i would go see 
Um, uh, and then here's one that I, I'm certain I'm the only person at this table who's seen this movie because it played at Sundance and it hasn't officially been released yeah. in the U.S., but a Japanese movie called We Are Little Zombies, which is a movie about four kids, who not related, all of their parents die on the same day. They hap- They meet by by happenstance at the crematorium <laughs> they all meet because the parents are be- all being cremated Why like are you all eight because it's a fun movie <laughs> and they decide that instead of going to like either go live with relatives or go into the foster care system or whatever they run away they become homeless they create musical instruments out of garbage and start a band called little zombies that ends up sweeping the nation and being <laughs> a huge hit. It's a super fun movie called we are little zombies. Right. And so the band little zombies, um, which has the, and that's a, another thing, the song that they, they only do. We only see them do two songs in the movie. We see them do a cover of, um, uh, is it the song called this will be our year, just our year, but it's by the zombies, you know, this oh, yeah. will be our year anyway. Um, and then an original song called we are little zombies, which I have been humming for almost a year now. So those are my, uh, I would actually go see them bands. Yeah, Hedwig, you just took a big one because that's like really good music yeah. and would be good live. Um, not really quite a band, but anything from Inside Lewin Davis. Oh, yeah. sure. That really. Jim I, and Gene? Yeah, as far as going to see live. And then I, I don't know if like if I heard this band, I'd be like, I got to see them live. But uh, that movie Hearts Beat Loud that came out last year with Nick Offerman. Oh, okay. That to me had like the most authentic portrayal of like the excitement of making music. And the music was believably like it was good, but it also like it went like mildly like i think it got featured on a i totally might be botching the what happens in the movie but it's i think it gets like featured on a spotify playlist or something and in that movie i actually like bought into it and be like yeah i I could see that and i think i would i would listen to them a number of things to come to mind for that um Hearts Be Loud is directed by Brett Haley, who made The Hero, which had the unconvincing stand-up comedy in it. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, the thing about talking about Spotify and online streams or whatever reminded me, I didn't have it on my list, but Begin Again, which is not a very yeah. good movie, uh, but it's from uh, the same director as Once and Sing Street, which is on my yeah. list uh, as being as being very good uh, um uh, music, but I don't know. Do either of you see Begin Again? I yeah, yeah. I remember the music being good, and the movie just yeah. I don't remember anything. But yeah, I mean, like I feel like the t- like um, it seems like I don't know. It seemed like it would be an interesting movie, but I did, I didn't like and it. And also much. with Once and Sing Street, like also the music's good. With with Once, you have like actual singer songwriters who right. made the music. Mm-hmm. So also though. Um, the trope that I don't think they started, but when I see it now, I hate it is when they do the bullshit of the character being called guy and girl. Like I, I've been, that's the thing with these, the, especially going around with short films. It's like, our film's two minutes long. Let's just call him boy. And I, I, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Um, but the swell season, like I think they probably tour playing that kind of, I, I didn't I, see the documentary. I've, I've seen them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah worth seeing. Absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, you know what? Okay. So this is going to sound strange cause I'm sure people could say this with any musician. They're worth seeing once I think, well, I don't even mean to do that, but like, <laughs> I think we wound up seeing them twice and the second time is like, no, no, I got it. I got it the first time. Like they're not really bringing anything new. I appreciate the, uh, the passion that Glenn Hanser brings to it. Uh, and, uh, what's her name? Marguerite. Mar is it like Marquetta? Marquetta, something with an Inglova or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but uh, but they both do a, a really great job. But yeah, that almost feels like cheating because as far as if the if the question is what bands would you go see, it's like 
Well, these are bands that I that you could see. Yeah. You know, another one for me is strange as it sounds. Like I'm a big fan of the Blues Brothers, and uh, I would I would have. I would have loved to see the Blues Brothers perform, and they did perform. Uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi and the whole band would like go uh, around the country and that kind of thing. So uh, that feels kind of like a, a cheat. But uh, I will say Spinal Tap. Um, yeah. I would like to see. I really? would see Spinal Tap. I feel like their concert would be too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, you know what? Within the reality of the movie, okay, not necessarily in life. You know, in life, it's a novelty act. In the movie, like their their songs are so incredibly stupid, <laughs> and yet extremely catchy as well. And so, I feel like I would enjoy that. And I guess there is some version of this that I, I've seen because uh, didn't Metric do all the music for um, Envy Adams and Scott Pilgrim? Uh, yeah. So I saw. I have seen Metric live, but I think this is before Scott Pilgrim came okay. out. And also, my friend led me to believe I was going to a punk show, and I was very confused when I was there because I, I hadn't heard of them. And like, it was a free ticket, so I <laughs> went and I was like, "Oh, okay." But um, yeah, um, yeah, the Clash of Demon Head. I remember liking yeah. the. Like, I don't. I don't like. I'm not a fan of Metric, so it makes sense that I don't like it. But it also kind of within the movie not liking the clash of demon head actually kind of works for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, because they're, they've kind of, I can say like, Oh, the point is that they're like, they've become a big corporate rock band or whatever, um, sure. which I don't know if that's actually the intention, but that's how I can sort of, uh, align it in my mind. I was listening to the Scott Pilgrim soundtrack with my tweaked audio earbuds, of course. Uh-huh. And, uh, and yeah, like it's, they do such a great job of, of, here's the music from sex bob which is like very raw mm-hmm. and unpolished. And then, uh, Cla- the clash of demon head, which is extremely polished. I like both. Um, but I do think that sex bob just like rocks harder. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that opening song, um, the opening title song, yeah. but also let's not forget the other, uh, great band <laughs> from Scott Pilgrim. What are they called? Crash and the boys. Yeah. <laughs> like the, this the song is called those boys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the song is called, I am so sad. So very, very sad. And it's just the lyrics. So sad. And then I like, uh, <laughs> I forget the name of the character, but he's like, it's not a race guys. Um, yeah, man, that's a good movie. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I had one on the tip of my tongue. Uh, well, there's a bunch of like um, the 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 '80s are a good time for for fake movie bands. Mm-hmm. You've uh, two that I hadn't thought of initially that came to mind while I was doing my research is uh, Buckaroo Banzai and the Hong Kong Cavaliers from Buckaroo Banzai's Adventures Across the Eighth Dimension, and then uh, um, Did you ever see Streets of Fire, the Walter Hill movie. No, Diane Lane plays right. like a sort of local girl made good who comes back to um perform as ellen aim uh is the is the character's name and um her music's great i would actually go to see ellen aim one of the movies i watched to prepare for this because i what i did was i went through things kind of on my watch list of various streaming services and i found like three movies that maybe had fictional bands but i wasn't sure and one of them was smithereens from like the early doesn't really have that much of uh, any bands in it it's all kind of in the background but it like at least like it felt authentic to like the music scene um Okay. But I was uh, yeah, I got like an, I watched the whole thing, but I was like, oh, man, I probably should have rewatched Scott Pilgrim because I would have had yeah. more to say. Uh, the movie I wanted to rewatch, uh, wanted to I, I didn't rewatch anything for for this. It's I'm too busy right now. But um, another one that's uh, one of the first bands that came to mind is that again a really good band uh, is Crucial Taunt from Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, Tia Carrera's band, partially because that is the name of my bar trivia team. Uh, <laughs> uh, we used to be called the Shitty Beatles, which is also a Wayne's World reference, but the bar where we play every Sunday decided they were too much of a family establishment to let us call ourselves the shitty Beatles. So we changed it to crucial taunt. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, I can't remember what T- what's T Carrera's name in the movie in Wayne's world. Uh, oh my gosh. That's Cassandra. Yeah. Uh, Cassandra's band rocks, right? I have not seen Wayne's world in a long time. Oh, it's really good. Um, I remember not liking it at the time. I think I'd probably have a deeper appreciation for it now. That's nuts that you didn't yeah. like it at the time. I know. It's so funny. I just, as a kid, just, I don't think I got Wayne's world. I just, the sketch or the movie, I just don't think I understood why is this funny? Um, okay. I didn't think the character had like a hook. Not that I would have put it that way as a kid, but, uh, uh, well let's, okay, let's go. Sticking with the era. I'm going to name two bands that are supposed to be bad. Okay. Wild Stallions, of course, from Villain's Head, and The Lone Rangers from Airheads, which is a movie I watched so many times as a kid. And they're also not a good movie. Um, I don't. I wouldn't know yeah. because I watched it so many times when I was young that I have only positive uh, associations with it. Including, yeah. there's a line in it that I makes me laugh even harder now than it did then. So it must have some things going for it. There's a part. Have you guys seen Airheads? Yeah, not, not in a long time. Yeah. Okay, so you know they're all they're barricaded inside the the radio station and a bu- because the, they're broadcasting a bunch of supporters have come. So there's a huge crowd of people outside. Yeah supporting them and the people outside start chanting at the cops rodney king rodney king and the woman who works at the radio station a black woman asks adam sandler why are they chanting rodney king and adam sandler goes he's that guy (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) that's a funny joke right yeah sure (laughs) all right um uh all right i've talked too much Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So you've got this band's in two movies: Infant Sorrow from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Get Him to the Greek, Russell Brand's character. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. And I think the Get Him to the Greek, the songs within there are pretty solid song, like pop rock songs, mm-hmm. um, better than the movie that it's in. I'm trying to think if there's any other uh, fictional band that's crossed over for more than one movie. Oh, that's a good. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there was that band that, you know, Richard Belzer's character was in, uh, <laughs> who showed up in yeah. all those shows. Um, are Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem in more than one Muppet movie? Or are they only in... I'm just, they, yes, yeah, they gotta be in. I mean, yeah, the characters yeah. are. I don't know how much uh, music they play. Okay. I feel like there has to be. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to think who else would have would have, would have have crossed over. Because the... Um, never mind. Uh, <laughs> what? Nothing. I was going to say something that I remember a conversation you and I had off mic before I started. Okay. Uh, uh, and I'm not going to bring that up. Another example, but it's pretty much, it's the same scene basically as in Back to the Future, Back to the Future 2 with uh, sure. Marvin Berry. And, Marvin Berry, yeah. Yeah, and the, looked it up, and the Starlighters. Yeah, and then that also, in the first one, you get to hear Marty McFly's band for about two seconds, the Pinheads. Mm-hmm. But they're just playing a Huey Lewis song, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and that's yeah. the other cheat, I think. You can't just take some other band song, <laughs> but I, I, I honestly, it's probably better than yeah. Some like what would probably not be a good song. So we're looking. Um, so we're talking because again, I mentioned like Blues Brothers, and obviously they're only playing other people's songs. So the topic that we're specifically trying to zero in on is like the music is original for the film. I mean, that's that's one of the okay. subcategories. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
but uh, so um, the Marvin Berry thing makes me think of like fictional like throwback you know like music that takes place or was written or sounds like it was written before I guess that thing you do is is yeah. like that and like the commitments but, right was, um, uh, I, you know, I never saw the commitments that movie so when the backseat played in I want to say Scotland but it might have been somewhere else someone like they didn't really accuse me of ripping off that movie but I hadn't seen it but they were just like you know you like basically took beat per beat then like, I don't I don't know it's like an Alan Parker movie right mm-hmm. yeah and I just I, I haven't seen it but I'm like I don't, I don't think they have dick jokes and all that other stuff but like this guy like he's like how have you not seen it like that is your movie and uh, I feel like he's probably wrong <laughs> <laughs> um, so a couple of the throwbacks that I thought of uh, this one's kind of a sh- uh, Otis Day and the Nights from Animal House they don't do original songs sure. but they are uh, and then um, I had to look up his name because I forgot it but uh, Nick Rivers Val Kilmer's character from Top Secret oh my gosh absolutely he has a, he's supposed to be sort of an Elvis type yeah. Um, and he's got all sorts of good songs in that movie. Yeah, that's that, that's that's a that's a good one. I haven't seen this one, but uh, Meet the Robinsons, the like animated movie, like the it's computer animation came out yeah. in like 2005 or something. Mm-hmm. So the my local movie theater that I went to at the time in East Brunswick, New Jersey, uh, it was it was called Mega Movies. Now it's an AMC. But for years, and this went on like five or six years after that movie came out, they're like pre roll like before a movie was I think it was Frankie and the Frogs and it was they did a rendition of I Heard It Through the Grapevine except about like um, like kicking my seat you annoying man I'll be on you like Jackie Chan like basically giving you like the rules of theater etiquette but it fucking played for years <laughs> after it came out and the and this was uh, on film so like the print was all dirty and it was like like my friend who worked at that theater like he somewhat joking but he said that's why he quit because he was just tired of hearing the, the stupid frogs <laughs> but that one yeah that went on for like five or six years at the theater and explains why you know it's an amc now um i'm gonna run through some of the because you guys keep talking and everything reminds me of something yeah so yeah, i'm kind of the back to the future place. thing reminded me of uh lindsey lohan's characters garage band from the freaky friday remake who were called pink slip mm-hmm. Uh, i don't remember any of their music i forgot she was in a band um the idea of music like the shitty Beatles are a band that you never actually hear mm-hmm. I don't think do you ever do you ever actually hear Audubon in Big Lebowski uh, yes yeah uh, you do I okay. think I don't remember in oh yeah because uh, the nihilists are playing it on the stereo in the parking lot uh, okay all right oh that's right. okay yeah. so that doesn't count um, but I forgot when, we, when I was talking about bands that are supposed to be bad I forgot about the the greatest example ever of that it's a very brief thing but in ghost world there's the band blues hammer which is a bunch of like oh my white gosh. college bros playing blues music and about like picking cotton all day long <laughs> yeah. and it's just like oh my gosh that's true oh that's perfect that is such the essence of of just a terrible tone deaf yeah. band yeah um but uh yeah uh along those lines in its weird way. Uh, I think this piece of music probably existed already, but I think it was arranged differently. So whiplash, uh, we have a, ja- oh, okay. a jazz yeah. band and you know, when they first play, cause the idea is this band is supposed to be amazing and win competitions. Uh, and they do a really good job of showing like sort of the JV band and it is a bit sloppy. Then you hear JK Simmons band and it's like right on. Uh, but I will say that for me, I tend not to like, like, I'm not sure if that would officially counts as big band jazz. Okay. Um, 
but it certainly is bigger than like a quartet, which tends to be what I prefer. Uh, and also just like everything is just so spot on. And I'm like, I realize that jazz isn't purely, uh, improvisational, but, uh, I tend to like something that feels more, uh, improvised. And so like the idea of this band, like everything is like down to the letter. I still enjoy it and I can still recognize that it's good. But like when I think of the stuff I like about jazz, like that band is not it. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, did you ever see the fabulous Baker Boys? When I was very young, yes. Yeah, I guess they're kind of a fictional. Yeah, I don't know. Musical concern. I don't know if you call them a band. Musical concern. That's fun. <laughs> um, so I mean, there's the movie School of Rock, yeah, right? Yeah. Which features a band called No Vacancy, which is trying, which is clearly like they can't sell out fast enough. Like yeah. they really, they just create this very. It's the band that kicked him out. Uh, right. And then you see them perform at the end, and it's just really generic rock and all that. But I do like that in the audience. There's one guy like, like when they announced that no vacancy won. Uh, there's one guy's like, yeah, <laughs> and I think that's a, a nice moment. But as uh, far as the band itself and their original songs, they're pretty good. And with well, school of rock, by the way, if you ever get the chance to see like a local school, you know, there's like school yeah, rock solar. I went to, oh, I, I had time to kill in Asbury Park and I saw like one of the school of rocks concerts they put on. It's like little kids playing classic rock songs and playing them well. It's incredible. That's awesome. I highly recommend if you ever see it coming around. Cause like, I'm sure they do them all over. The, yeah. Um, um, yeah. I, I watch, uh, uh, groups like that put up YouTube videos. Yeah. So I've watched, uh, multiple times I've watched like a group of kids doing 46 and two by tool. And so you've got this like 11 year old girl singing about like picking her scabs and all the tool stuff. Um, but before we move on, Jack black is a subcategory of his own. Sure. Cause you've got school of rock. You've also got, they have a bunch of names. My favorite is Kathleen Turner overdrive yeah. from high fidelity, but they're also named like Barry jive in the uptown five. Yeah. And then there's another one, right? Or there's a reference to his previous band or something. There's a, I, when I was looking it up, there was a third. Sonic Death Monkey. Sonic Death Monkey is yeah. the other one. Um, and then this is kind of a cheat because it started as a TV show, but they made a movie, Tenacious D. Yeah. Are, but are Tenacious D a fictional movie band? Like, Tenacious D are a real band, Did aren't they? Did they start that way? I, th- I, I, I think it started know. as a comedy. I don't know. And then it was HBO, like, shorts, right? They were, like, short. Yeah. They're, like, 10-minute episodes. They were on HBO, but I don't know. I don't know uh, what order it goes in, yeah. but I just wanted to like mention them. Flight of the Concords, which is somewhat right. similar. They were right. a band, I'm pretty sure, long before that. Um, yeah, that's the that's a hard one. I feel like it's just they exist at the, at the exact same time. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I, I could keep going, but anybody else? I go, for, I go for days. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's name some other ones. All right. So not really a band, but Jackson Maine from Star is Born. Yeah. Which, like, I wrote Allie down. Yeah, and that's but, somewhere yeah. where both of them, I bought their music actually being successful. And by the way, I saw that in Dolby. Like, yeah. that's the first movie I saw, like, at AMC with Dolby. And, like, it sounded like being at, like, a rock show. Like, it mm-hmm. was fucking loud. And yeah. It was super cool. Yeah, I think the first time I saw it, the theater was was Dolby Atmos and along those lines I mean my only reason for not mentioning that is because it's like a solo act it's as I mean obviously they're playing with a band but it's still like you know I would bring up Crazy Harder or Tender Mercies or something but like worth I'm thinking in terms of bands so I don't bring those up yeah I uh, that's a good point I did put Bad Blake from Crazy uh, Crazy Heart right that's his name yeah 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 I, I did put him on my list but yeah I guess that's not a not actually 
a band. I'm just saying um, I committed to the premise, and it sounds like you guys didn't. Yeah. Being loosey goosey here. I got a, a two boy bands uh, from Pop Star Never Stop Stopping. Okay. I got, okay. Um, what, what was the name of their band? I should have organized this better because I can't read what it says. <laughs> uh, the Style Boys okay. is what they're called. And then there was this was a case of a TV show turned into a movie that I don't remember, but together from MTV. Oh. Which oh, yeah. was like, yeah, making fun of the boy band craze. Uh, but uh, to go back to Joe's and the Pussycats, there's Dujour. Uh, the the fake boy band who uh, die in a plane crash at the at the very beginning. Oh, <laughs> have you guys not seen Joseph and the Pussycats? I haven't, I haven't since oh. potentially when I was like, yeah, very young. Um, I have no. I still haven't seen it despite having heard nothing but good things. Yeah, about it's it. really funny, yeah. and it's I'm trying. It's um, Dujour is like it's all funny people. It's um, Seth or not funny people, but people you at least mm-hmm. Seth Green is funny. Sure, but then I the reason. <laughs> The whole reason I took back saying it's all funny people is because who's the guy that I don't like who Seth Green and him created Robot Chicken together? You know what I'm talking about? Is it is it Breckenmeyer? Breckenmeyer, yeah. Oh, I forget that he's involved with uh, Robot Chicken, but uh, oh, I've been uh, why, to, do you hate, why do you I, hate uh, Breckenmeyer? Because so I've been to, I used to go to Comic-Con every Friday. I mean, I go to, still go to Comic-Con every year, but mm-hmm. every Friday at Comic-Con, there'd be a block of panels in the Indigo ballroom that were like all the, um, adult swim stuff. Mm -hmm. And so a number of times I sat through the robot chicken panel because there was something on either side of it that I wanted to. And, uh, yeah, I'm calling you out, Breckenmeyer. I find you completely obnoxious and, uh, not particularly funny. And there were a number of times that I was just like, trying to focus on reading a magazine or looking at Twitter yeah. or something to not listen. That's to. why I bring my tweaked audio earbuds with me <laughs> to uh, Comic-Con. Um, um, you got almost famous. You got Stillwater. Yeah. Which apparently, based off me looking on Wikipedia for two seconds, uh, Peter Frampton had something to do with mm. that. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I, I don't remember their music at all. But, but um, So, I mean, uh, we did mention this is Spinal Tap, which means we can mention A Mighty Wind. Um, we're bouncing around to different genres and stuff, but, uh, and I don't have notes, so I'm just going by what's in my head. Uh, but yeah, the, the, th- I guess one of them is just a, is a duo, but then you have, uh, the, I think they're the new main street singers. And then I forget the, the name of the folk spinal tap, uh, uh, band. <laughs> but I remember I, like, I think all of that music is so good. And even the things that are hokey are, hokey in a really good way um and uh oh, i hate to say it but i feel like there were a lot of good there were a lot of good nominate uh a lot of nominated songs that were really good that year but i kind of wish that kiss at the end at the end of the rainbow had won best song that year instead of that annie lennox song from lord of the rings which is fine but come on um Sorry, I had to look up the other member of Dujour is Donald Faison. And what I didn't realize until just looking right now is that they're all uncredited in the movie. That's why it took me way too long to find them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's also the fictional band The Ruddles, which I've never seen the All You, all you Need Is Cash. cash. Never yeah. saw it. I saw it in high school. Uh, enjoyed it. It just I, I think I was I mean, I knew the Beatles, but I don't think I understood quite the phenomenon of the Beatles, which is kind of what that is about. Uh, but you know, they, they wrote their own, their own, own songs and they were pretty catchy. Like that's the thing is even parody stuff needs to be a little bit catchy, uh, yeah. because you still need, there are still things that you need to accept about that world that, you know, with something like a mighty wind or a spinal tap. Okay. Well, these acts are very popular. So 
I need to, uh, so in this world, I need to conceivably under, uh, believe that they would be popular. So they need to be at least a little bit good or at least catchy. Yeah. Like that's always the easiest thing to kind of call bullshit on if it's not at least catchy yeah. in the movie and people are supposedly knowing it. And I don't remember what this band sounded like, but, uh, Nick and Nora's infinite playlist had the jerk offs, which oh. was, I think was that Michael Sarah's band, Michael Sarah playing in bands and movies. Um, that reminds me of a movie called drive me crazy. With uh, uh, Adrian Grenier and, and Melissa Joan Hart, and the Donnas, the band the Donnas are in the movie, but in the movie, their band is called the Electrocutes, which is also a good name. Yeah, but that's a really good name. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, I don't know if that counts as a fictional. They're just the Donnas playing Donnas songs, but because they have the, it's they're doing a, they're they're play acting as another band. I don't know if it counts. Well, that's that's something that you found, and I mean they even reference it in uh, that thing you do like all these old, like all these bands from the fifties would be, it was Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. shooters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like they would do that all the time is like these, these bands that were clearly signed because they were kind of like the Beatles would show up in these crappy yeah. little uh, horror yeah. movies playing, I think their music, but under a different name. Um, yeah. So like that's something that would happen pretty frequently. And so uh, I'll count it fictional either, but on Treme was something really strange. One of my favorite bands, Lucero were kind of in the background of an episode. And one of, I don't remember her name, but she's like one of the main characters throughout the series. She ends up hooking up with the singer, Lucero, Ben Nichols, brother of the director, Jeff Nichols. And he ends up being in like a couple, I think he's in like another episode in the background, but they never address that it's a real band or call them. But, and this is like a band with a decent following. And I thought that was weird that they'd, take a real band and then use the non-actor singer in a storyline for two seconds uh the other thing i remember obviously treme has a lot of real real jazz people playing uh themselves but also there's one uh part that spoke to me and when the the uh the visiting journalist guy uh who's a metalhead goes to see i hate god and i hate god are playing just playing a show real band uh um, so I only have two more on my list and then I'll just turn it over the, that I can't believe I forget when I was talking about bands I would actually want to see, see live I can't believe I forgot the Venus and Furs from Velvet Goldmine oh, sure, kind of yeah, a, yeah. a Bowie slash T-Rex type of like mm-hmm. glam band and then we were talking about bands that are bad and I think supposed to be bad um, Hey That's My Bike is Ethan Hawke's character's band in Reality Bites <laughs> I, it's been so long since I've seen Reality Bites that I don't. I, I didn't remember he was in a band, though. Of course, how could he not yeah, be? Given is. the nature yeah. of the movie, um, um, it's called "Hey, That's My Bike." Hey, that's my bike. Is the name of the band. <laughs> uh, and that, that's my list, unless something else. Unless I think of something else. I got a few more. Um, okay. I watched just this week, Frank. Oh yeah, and what is the name of the band in that? I think the thing is they they make a joke about it and they it's hard to pronounce, but it's spelled. S it's the S O R O N P R F B S. Yeah. I don't know. And in that movie I, I bought like the music and then making it. But the one thing that felt pretty bullshitty to me is they go to South by Southwest and at the very beginning it's going really well. And the whole thing is they're only supposedly like they have like 20 something thousand plays on YouTube. They even talk about it in the movie about how like that's not really that many like when you're seeing there and there's like a whole setup of like yeah people probably won't be there no here but then they're playing a packed room and they're pretty into it until he like kind of has his meltdown yeah which now when that came out michael fassbender being in it wasn't a spoiler or anything right like it was used i feel like his name was 
featured in the marketing. Was it? I don't know, because I, I, I read when I was looking on Letterboxd, like, after watching it, because I was just curious to see what people thought. And I, I saw, I think it was Roger Avery wrote something about it, about, like, this big reveal of him being in the movie. It's like, I knew it was him the whole time, but I, I guess it's cool, but it's is yeah, it really yeah, a reveal. Like, I, I'm, I'm trying to think, yeah, because you never see that as Michael Fassbender until the very end. Very end, but, like, at that point, you're kind of just learning about who he is, and you see kind of, I don't know, you see a face for what's wrong with him. But yeah. it wasn't like, oh my god, it wasn't like the thing at the end of uh, the most recent Spider-Man movie in the credits where it's like, oh shit, there's the guy. Do you know? I, I didn't see it. Oh, there, there's uh, something, something really good. I'm sure Tyler knows what you're referring to. I did not see. Uh, I did not see it. Okay. Oh, you didn't see it either. Mm-mm. All right. I will. I will say it off mic because it's the kind of thing I would, I would be pissed if, in passing if it was ruined for me. Mm. But it's okay. a character shows up. And there's an actor playing this character, and it's you didn't really, see uh, really surprising. What was it called? Far uh, from home. Far from home. With Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, sorry. Uh, I uh, I was looking at some stuff for the conversation. Um, I thought we were still on Frank, and oh, we were talking about like, the reveal. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. I yeah. I had heard about that beforehand. Oh, sorry. Um, that sucks. I had no idea. So I was sitting there. Yeah. And I was like, oh wow, that's. <laughs> Really interesting that they would do that. The well, people, don't spoil it for people who yeah. are listening. The people I, I, I guess, in the theater. Yeah. Anyone who's care, anyone who cares, that probably has seen it. But yeah. you probably just yeah, yeah. I'll just to be I'll, safe. Yeah, I'll say this: the people that were in the theater with me did not know, and they were thrilled. Yeah, and uh, you know what? It kind of warmed my heart too. Yeah, because it doesn't. There's a bunch of reasons why you wouldn't think that's going to be there. Yeah, and uh, and it works so well. Yeah, and it sets up for the next movie. Presuming yeah. they go in that direction, which I feel like. Knowing Marvel or superhero movies today, they'll probably barely do anything with that. But like, yeah, yeah. I, I want to see a whole movie of what that sets up. Yeah, I'm interested, so. and we'll see. Like, if that, like, I know that Marvel and Sony have like made their peace at this point, but at the same time, I feel like it's, yeah. it's very tenuous. I, I feel like this might actually play on the pod. I'm going to just show David who it is. That way, you'll understand the reaction. Yeah. I, um, Same oh. character from. Okay, yeah, I yeah. think I did know that actually. Yeah. I had uh, no clue. I think someone had told me that. Really? Um, yeah, it was very exciting. Um, but uh, yeah, I was trying to think. Uh, as far as I was thinking of, of like more uh, like TV band TV bands, and I know that this one's like really obvious, but uh, Mouse Rat from. Uh, Parks and Recreation. That's yep. uh, uh, Chris Pratt's mm-hmm. band. That he's he's always changing the name of it. I think he lands on Mouse Rat, and I don't. And we do see him play once or twice, and then we also uh, see on the Office. We see Kevin's police cover band, uh, the name of which I've forgotten. But Scrantonicity. That was it. Um, <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, so that's that's all I can think of. But I'm sure there there yeah, are big ones that we're missing. So listeners, that's up to you. And one that's not actually in the movie at all, but it's my favorite movie, so I like to talk about it when I can. Ryan Reynolds in Adventureland, his band. Mm-hmm. He's supposedly in a band that I don't think you actually see, but oh, okay. you see him holding the guitar. And throughout the movie, he's referencing a "Satellite of Love," the Lou Reed song, how he played it with Lou Reed once, but he's calling it the wrong thing. And I just like to bring up that that's a movie I think people should go back to. Yeah. It's, it's when you don't go in. Expect expecting it to be super bad too the way it was marketed right right yeah. it's, it's i uh best so over the summer i i teach like italian kids about film and one of the things we talk about is marketing and uh so 
we I show them like a number of trailers and the different types of trailers there are and that kind of thing. And uh, and then I show them the trailer for Adventureland, and I'm like, "What do you guys think this movie's about?" And they say, "Oh, well, it sounds like it's all about this fun, zany job that he has." And it's like, "It does. It is about that. Maybe about fifteen percent, but it's actually a romance, and and it's and a really good romance drama with like yeah. an ensemble. Like every character has an arc, and it's not really that funny, but it's kind of funny. And yes. Yeah. An 80s movie that doesn't, even though the music's all on there, like my when I saw it in theaters, my friend leaned to me about 45 minutes and he's like, yo, is this in the 80s or something? <laughs> and there's a title card that says 1980-something. And uh, tangentially related to that, I've met both leads from Adventureland within the last couple of years. And it's my favorite movie. I managed not to talk to them about it because I met Kristen Stewart unexpectedly, didn't realize it was her, talked to her for a while about movies and was kind of being a dick because I was just like purposely going against everything she said. And I met Jesse Eisenberg last <laughs> Wait, month. why were you doing why, that? Why did you do that? <laughs> All right, so to some backstory, me and my friend were going, my friend from Jersey was visiting us when I was living out here, and we went to go to karaoke at this uh, 80s bar in Koreatown. And the thing is, you know, when you do karaoke, you're going to have a lot of drinks to get ready to do karaoke. They never called our name, and we were like, getting bored, so we left, and we went to this other bar in uh, Los Angeles. I won't say the name of it, because I think she probably goes there, because okay. it's like a smaller place. And we're in there, and it's dead. We've both had too many drinks, but it was like kind of a bummer. Like it was like my friend's one of his last nights in town. So as we're going out to the parking lot, this is right when the Harvey Weinstein news was breaking, and I was telling a story about it, like a certain actor relating to that. And this group of, for lack of better terms, lesbians is what like I thought were like we were like holding the door open for them, and they started talking to us about it. And my friend, in, who we learned was Kristen Stewart, went through, like, two or three cigarettes over the course of this conversation. And, like, I was, like, kind of fucking with her about, like, uh, the movie. We were talking about Argo, and, like, I was just advocating for her. I'm like, yeah, I should have won Best Fan. It's a fine movie. I get how it won. And, like, I was bringing up, like... Uh, I think I was bringing up Alan Alda when I meant to say Alan Arkin and like, but we were having this like debate and she had like a lot of cool opinions on stuff, but like, I don't know, I was just having fun with it cause it's some stranger. So I was just purposely taking really strong stances that I didn't necessarily believe in. And she was really cool. And, uh, anyway, so the thing that made us realize it was her. So her and her friends got into a Porsche or like a nice car, but it wasn't like a flashy, nice car, but it was nice enough where it clicked for both of us as soon as they got in the car who it was. And I think they noticed us like being like, oh, fuck. So the friend rolled down the window and took a picture of me and my friend and then they drove away. <laughs> and almost every time I talk movies with someone, like it'll come up, people ask what your favorite movie is. And within the last few years, I realized it was Adventureland. So I'm just so happy that didn't come up. Yeah. Because I was going to like bring up my, my humble brag with that is that Greg Matola, the director, follows me on Twitter for some reason. Uh-huh. Though I've never talked to him. <laughs> But like, I'm so glad because like, if I realized it was her or that movie, I wouldn't have like I was kind of a dick, but in like a fun way, I think. But it would have been <laughs> like an embarrassing story if you had just talked about Adventureland without ever acknowledging. Also, like, I think she would have walked away and like yeah. not like everything I could tell from just seeing her. I know from way. movies that when a celebrity is talking to somebody who either doesn't just say yes all the time or doesn't realize who they are, it's just so refreshing. Well, that's what it was. And uh, then, you think that uh, Ryan was on the verge of a Notting Hill type of exactly, situation. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then when did you meet Jesse Eisenberg? So this was kind of pretty cool because the uh, lead actor from The Lost Weekend, Sam, he was in a play that Ethan Cohen wrote that just played here in L.A. 
and our film was playing in Australia. So my girlfriend was traveling with me. So we spent two days in LA on our way to Australia and it was the last night of the play. And I know opening night, like Brad Pitt came, like people who have been in Coen Brothers movie came. So this was the last performance. I had a feeling there might be some interesting people there. And sure enough, we see Ethan Coen a few rows ahead of us. And then um, I see Jesse Eisenberg come in with someone. And he has like a hat on. You tell he's not someone who like wants to necessarily be approached. And I wasn't going to say anything. And I had just watched rewatched Adventureland like two mm-hmm. or three days before this. So I texted Sam after the play to tell him how good his performance was because it, it was nuts. Like he did this like he had probably like the most challenging part in the play because it was like a series of like I guess I don't know if you'd call him one I guess the yeah, other one acts but he was uh, like I best thing I can compare it to he sounded like a plantation owner and it's like in like the 1800s like south you know in the US and in the south states um, and he's doing these like Shakespearean soliloquies it's like a really weird tough thing and I had no idea this kid could like do accents or anything anyway so i text him and tell him good job he asked if i wanted to come backstage so i went back and i had my girlfriend's mom with me my girlfriend my friend rick and we go backstage and jesse eisenberg's there um who's that other actor he was on taxi um judd hirsch yes judd hirsch was there it was like a weird and it was like a small backstage it's a big cast in taxi you yeah, that was you nailed it the first time. Yeah. So yeah, Judd Hirsch was there, and you um, could have said Danny DeVito or Tony Danza. Yeah. Obviously not Andy Kaufman. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we're Mary backstage in like Henner. a small area, and uh, Sam's like, "Hey, you can have a drink or whatever." And like, I'm mostly just standing by the people I came with because like I had nothing to do with this play, and. I, as much as like I like the Coen Brothers' work, they're like directors that I don't know that I want or need to meet because mm. I just mm. I feel like I don't know they they seem fun. Um, but then Sam calls me over and he's talking to me. He's like, uh, "I want you to meet my friend." And he introduces me to his friend. This is his friend Jesse. So then uh, next yeah, so I talked to Jesse Eisenberg for like ten fifteen minutes, mostly about Australia, not really pretending to not know who he was, but also not acknowledging that because I was introduced as like this director who just made a film with him. And, like, for all he knows, like, I'm making really cool stuff, so I wanted to play yeah. cool. And, uh, yeah, and the other thing with Jesse Eisenberg is he's from a town over from me. So he's, like, one of the few people that would know, like, the small town I currently live in. But that didn't come up. And then he, uh, when he said goodbye, which was, like, after I had talked to him for a little while, he's, like, taking Ambien on the flight to Australia. <laughs> so, yeah, both both leads from Adventureland. I managed not to talk about Adventureland, although with Jesse Eisenberg, it was on my mind. And I yeah. was just playing it cool. Whereas with Chris Stewart, I just didn't realize it was her until later, <laughs> and I was very, 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 very relieved. Um, should we wrap up, or we have more to talk about? Well, as far as the topic, no. But I do know that, uh, that uh, Ryan, just... Look, I recognize you're a filmmaker and blah, blah, blah. But... You did say that you had a couple of uh, detective stories to tell well, on the podcast. I, but I want to ask, do you have more fictional bands yes. you want uh, to talk let's about do that. before we get Very to... quick throwaways. There might be one or two. Uh, you got Dewey Cox and Walcard, which is a similar thing. And this isn't quite related, but I want to call it out where I can. Bohemian Rhapsody, obviously, about a real Ben. Uh-huh. Their depiction of songwriting, where like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to fucking stomp on the floor and clap. And that's how we wrote We Will Rock You, which maybe is true, because that song's pretty dumb. But... <laughs> <laughs> I I never felt bullshit more for a yeah. songwriting type thing because I guess it's also worth noting while I get the attention of your loyal listener base. I so for years because I, I played in punk bands throughout high school and the beginning of college, but kind of backed off for a while. And for years, like sometimes a conversation would come up, but like with different band names, you and I always said I called band Sally Draper. Like if I ever had like a hardcore band or a punk band. Long story short, I ended up 
recording something with my friend that we released as Sally Draper, and we ended up putting out a couple albums and EPs, and we still play shows a few times a year. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I want to throw that out there. You can find that on Spotify. Yeah. And then I've also been learning that maybe it wasn't the best name to go with because there's a thing that I think is a good criticism where there's a lot of bands like there's a band called Cheap Girls that's all men and there's this big thing with oh. men using like feminine names for their music projects yeah like and Screaming Females screaming, or, or Screaming Females has a woman in it oh it does okay yeah, that, there's a band called Women that I think yeah. right is all is that's all men I think I believe usually it is and like my defense is with Sally Draper it's like I just think it's a cool character from a show that I really yeah. like and uh, I've only had one person actually say something about it, and they were doing it to start shit. They weren't like trying to make a point because I think the bigger issue is when, and you know, I'm just a dude talking about this. So what do I know? But it is like the case of cheap girls. Hard girls is another band that's really good that I like, but also the same thing. Um, okay. But almost every single time there's a band with girls or women or female in the name, it tends to be dudes. And it reminds me of one that I missed, which is there. I don't think they're ever actually named in the movie. But in the books, the Harry Potter books, they're called the Weird Sisters, the band that plays the prom or when it's not called the prom, whatever mm-hmm. it's called, the Yule. What's it called in the, Goblet the of Fire? Yule Ball? The Yule Ball. Yeah, um, that's, call- a band, that's a band I don't like. <laughs> yeah, they're called the Weird Sisters, but it's all it's all men, including some pretty famous. It's uh, Jarvis Cocker and, and, and Johnny Greenwood uh, and some others. Have, but uh, have you guys? Heard- so Harry Potter was ahead of this trend is what I'm saying. Have either of you heard the song that Bruce Springsteen wrote for the Harry Potter, like the first movie? And it's and I love Bruce Springsteen, but it does. It would be horrible in that movie. Like it only came out. Of course. Yeah, it got released within like the last year or two. And I think it's called. It's not called I'll Stand By You, but it's something pretty broad and generic. And yeah. I remember hearing it. Just like, oh, wow. Because every now and then Bruce isn't, you know, doesn't misses. But I just want to hear him sing like spells. <laughs> it's, but it's, <laughs> it's not even that. It's not even that interesting, unfortunate. But um, did anyway, you ever see Bruce when? Because you know the story that he he wrote uh, "Hungry Heart" like for the Ramones, for the Ramones. and they said yeah. no, no thanks. You should yeah. take that. But when he was on the Jimmy Fallon show, whatever I guess it's called the Tonight Show, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Conan O'Brien's the host of the Tonight Show. Um, yeah, I'm still ten years on. I'm still hanging out of the podcast. Um, yeah, he invented podcasting. But when he was on Jimmy Fallon, um, the Roots played like a verse and a chorus from Hungry Heart in the style of the Ramones. That's cool. That's neat. They also, speaking of the Roots, they also took a pretty obscure Weezer song when I think Amy Poehler or someone, was there a movie called Smart Girls or something along those lines that came out within the last couple of years? Or it was a movie about, some, anyway, they played that, like an instrumental of that. And I thought oh. that was so cool because that's like, a Weezer song off one of their less respected albums. Uh, I get talk oh. about Weezer all day. I remember you guys were talking about it a couple months ago, and I was kind of like, I wanted to like call in, which I know isn't a thing. Yeah. to Tell you um, the White Album, everything will be all right in the end. Those two albums came out within like the last six or seven years, and are uh, okay, great. I'm not a big Weezer fan, and after Pinkerton, okay. like like most people, yeah. I, or like most uh, snobs. Do you know what age. their next record's called? Uh, no, Van Weezer, and it's uh, the single they released uh, sounds like uh, Van Halen and Weezer combined. Okay, all right, <laughs> it's awesome. Um, although speaking of obscure Weezer tracks, there was a, a compilation called DGC Rarities that had a Weezer song called Jamie. Yeah, Jamie's on. Uh, That's a great song. It's a really good song. Yeah, it's from yeah. the Blue Album era. Uh, you can kind of tell. You can kind of like pick out bits of Jamie that show up. Yeah. and other blue album songs but uh it was a really good song um okay i thought of another one sorry i, I know okay. i said i was done but That's the fine. movie uh it's it's a it's a weird 
okay, not great movie called Grace of My Heart, in which Ileana Douglas plays a fictional character, but it's clearly Carol King. Like, it's clearly based on the life of Carol King. And then Matt Dillon, again, from Citizen Dick, uh, plays someone who's clearly Brian Wilson, mm-hmm. but is not called Brian Wilson uh, in the movie. And that, that has... Uh, 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 anyway, that I uh, thought of another one. Too. Okay, go ahead. I don't know if the band has a name in the movie. They might uh, unlovable with John Hawks oh, and I don't think they do have a name. Yeah, but but, and, yeah. Uh, but in that at least that was another one where I was like, oh, this feels real and like makes sense. But didn't John Hawks like write or co-write like well, actually write so, those yeah. songs? Yeah, yeah. So it, you could because that's the other thing that we were talking about before too. You can tell when they have. Uh, Who's the guy who did, who did Crazy Heart and seems to like basically make a second living off of writing? Like Ryan song. Bingham. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think. That's Here's it. why I know that. That was 2009. Uh, same year as uh, Up in the Air. George Clooney's character's name is Ryan Bingham. Oh wow, yeah. that's very strange. And he was nominated, and then the other Ryan Bingham was nominated yeah. for I think was it Crazy Heart? Let me yeah, and he won. Yeah, movie. he won some. Yeah. All right. Stuff like that is fun. Uh, also, I, I haven't seen her smell, but isn't she part of oh, the yeah. band in that? Yeah. Um, something. What, 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 uh, what is the name of the band in her smell? I haven't seen it. Something. She, she something. I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, there's a number of bands in there. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Do we have any more? Do we, uh, Tyler wants to get to these private yeah, detective stories. Some dick tales. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Available on uh, Disney plus. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yes. What do we All got? Right. Uh, okay. So I got to be careful cause I'm still at this point doing that for my living. And, um, so one thing, not the most interesting story, but, um, when I was working as a private investigator out here in LA, Uh, I was working in this one neighborhood and I noticed one thing that was pretty weird. I saw someone on their lawn for sale. They had a bunch of merch from bands like the descendants and like different punk and like metal and rock bands, but like an inventory of stuff. Like it wasn't someone's clothes. It was, uh, and I looked into it cause you know, I was dicking. I had to do stuff uh-huh. and it was all from uh, this company cinder block. Anyway, that should have been a sign that maybe I was in a questionable neighborhood. Maybe not. Uh, so when I'm working up, you know, I'm sitting in my car and if it's hot out, my windows might be down a little. And this person approached me asking me who I was and what I was doing. It was someone kind of scary. Uh, so I was honest cause I didn't want anything to happen. And what I'm so depending on what company you work for, and I think generally speaking, you're supposed to call the police and say you have a code five, and then they ask for your license plate. And it's basically so if they get a call about a suspicious car, they know it's a private investigator. And uh, you know you don't always really need to do that, but it's company policy for the company I was working for. And that time I hadn't called yet, but I did. And the cop told me he's like, "Oh, you're in whatever this neighbor like specific cross streets." He said, "Go somewhere else." There's been like multiple officer involved shootings there this week just leave so i did i had to leave and it was scary but also yeah okay i can't say certain things about that but anyway i left and i'm still alive now on to a a couple uh sort of interesting stories this one also happened out here so i was following this woman and uh you could kind of tell that she wasn't all there mentally and i think that's had to do with whatever disability she was claiming or whatever and I followed her all the way from I'm trying to remember. Anyway, I followed her to Redondo Beach and it was pretty far from where she was. And she parked her car, I want to say, about a mile or two from the beach. And so I had to follow her on foot to the beach. 
And eventually I get there and she's doing her long because she's carrying like a, a laundry basket. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe she's working as a housekeeper on the side while still, you know, taking insurance money, which like you're not supposed to do. But no, she was doing her laundry with the public water. And this woman drive, drove like a Lexus or a Mercedes and her other car was also a high end car. So it was very bizarre. And she strips down to like her underwear and this is in public during the day in a busy area. And like I, you know, I'm getting video of this woman doing this and she's doing her laundry with like the water outside the public restroom on the beach, which is miles and miles from her home. Like none of it made any sense. Mm -hmm. And she did this for like an hour and a half, two hours and then went home and on her way home, she parked at, I want to say like a Wendy's or a McDonald's, then walked about like eight or nine blocks got in a different car which she drove home like all this weird stuff and it turns out this case so i get a call about it and this was like one of the longest days ever because it was like a 17 hour day because she came out at the very end of when i was supposed to be working and the whole thing is you stay with the person until Mm -hmm. they go home so like this is a story that i told a lot of people and then i eventually you know moved back to new jersey and i get the call that it's going to trial and they were going to potentially fly me out here as like a witness and they ended up just, I guess her lawyers, when they saw the video, they just dropped her as a client because mm. it's like, you're clearly doing shit you're not supposed to. But also it felt weird because like to me. But she hasn't broken the law at any of well, this. I think, well, I think she's still trying to get some claim because she was probably saying she was too unwell to drive and like all this other okay. stuff. And she's carrying a huge <laughs> bag of laundry for like miles on foot. And it was just the most bizarre thing. And they ended up dropping her as a client. And I don't know what she's up to now. But it, it was looking like they were going to fly me out here hmm. to just show up in court one day and to be like, yeah, that happened. So it's is also, it legal in California to video someone without their consent? It's complicated. So different states have different laws, especially with audio. Like you can't just record audio of someone without them knowing in a lot of states. But other states you can. New York, I know, is really hard one way or the other on the issue. But it's it's this weird thing where I think you can hire someone. I feel like when you take a disability paycheck or something, you're probably and I, I could be wrong. I should know more about this, but I don't want to do this forever. So I'm trying not to get too <laughs> used to it, although it's been many years at this point. I do think you sign away probably certain rights. And hmm. they the other thing is people know. So I don't know if you guys saw Marriage Story yet, no. but there's a line in that from uh, one of the lawyer characters in the movie tells Adam Driver. It's like, you know, someone might be following you. And it's true. So like I think. Like it's obviously it's legal because that's how I make a living, um, but right. yeah, and I so most of my cases end up being disability type stuff, and then sometimes there's things like people having affairs and everything, and those they can be more interesting. But I don't like I like the insurance ones because I have more of a predictable schedule and can like have a life like because I'll just know if the person's home at two o'clock that afternoon I want to stay when you do like the domestic cases it'll the client will ask you to stay for like 10 more hours and there's also like on the subject of domestic cases there's one that you're working I I gotta be vague enough with this because it just started again although I'm not really working it anymore because I was sort of caught because this was someone's boyfriend who I think he was considering or is considering marrying this person who happens to be a model and like an Instagram influencer and he's worth a lot of money. So he's spending anywhere. He's got to be spending five to $15,000 a month on surveillance with her. And he would sometimes have us follow her when he was with her, which made no sense. (laughs) This is a recipe for successful marriage, by the way, this level of trust. yeah, so those, so like with the, that case, what would suck about that is it would always be last second. 
and they'd be like, can you stay for a few more hours? Stay for a few more hours? And, like, she didn't go anywhere. And also, she, like, never did anything remotely shady in the times that I was following her. But, like, that's why, yeah. like, I definitely prefer the more boring people because the other but you said you got caught doing that you got you got made is that the yeah you got made oh boy and and it happens every now and then it's oddly it's in a weird way it's more exciting than when you don't because sometimes (laughs) the people will follow you and you're being chased um but basically yeah because this is what happens when you have someone tailing the same person for at this point like two years like once or twice a week or more yeah someone's gonna notice and and I guess she had a friend on the police department in her town who was able to run my plates. Mm-hmm. And anyway, long story short, I can't work that case anymore. I see. And uh, so, yeah, I got made that time. Um, another Wait, so thing. two years, this, this guy still hadn't years. made up his mind about whether or not to yeah. pop the question to yeah, and that's the, other the love thing. of his People life, obviously. assume that we ask all these questions, but it's like <laughs> a really steady paycheck. And usually, I think... And obviously, like I don't handle this side of the business, but I'd imagine on domestic cases you can pull shit where you're just like because it's super last second sometimes. So like you could just increase the rate and be like, yeah, you're calling us in on Thanksgiving, mm. give us this much, and they'll usually do it because they're desperate. But yeah, it's a weird one and definitely not a person you would want to date or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but although there is part of me, like as an independent filmmaker, I'm like. I should see if this guy likes movies. <laughs> I, I've been learning uh, that's somehow that's the conversation to raise money, like in smaller amounts. And then I guess one other sort of interesting story, and this one's pretty recent. This is an insurance case. Uh, and the guy was claiming something very specific to, I want to say, like his left hand. And he's an older guy. And I followed him pretty far. And he goes to like an adult community. So like people over the age of like 50 and it's like a softball league. And at first he's just watching, but then he starts playing and he's mm. playing softball. He played like three games. And he's playing for hours. And so I'm getting video of this guy clearly in shape where he could work his job. And in his last game, he was the last one up to bat. So it's like a metal bat. He swings, he misses, he gets pissed. So first he takes both hands and smashes the bat on the ground. And then about a minute or two later, I got him with the supposed injured hand hitting the bat again, really hard. So, like, that was one time where it actually felt like, oh, I got something with my job that doesn't feel terrible because, like, you know, kind of fuck this guy because whatever, <laughs> he's taking money. It's an open and easily, shut case. Yeah, and it's very clear that it's there. And so many of the times, too, it's not like, like, I think by policy, it's not like every single person you go out to follow is faking. So it's just they have to check because they're spending so much money. Mm-hmm. And I'd imagine if they're paying the rates you pay any private investigating company, like so, is it more often than that the person is fine? I I find it so, but then there's also things where I because you're you're not supposed to be partial in any way, so it's not like I'm saying you know I'm saying this guy's guilty or something. So I'm just documenting what happens, and sometimes even when I'm doing my reports, like I should you know I usually do look into what the injury is, so I could like say they didn't use a cane or did, but yeah, I feel like it's. I want to say like 60% of the time it doesn't seem like they are, but, but I don't know. Then there's other times where I might not realize or might not remember when I'm doing the report that like they said they couldn't drive and then they're driving mm. everywhere. But a lot of times it's nothing and it's, it's kind of nice when that's the case, but also that could be frustrating too. Cause then you have your client being like, why haven't you seen them? And I, I don't know about you guys, but like I have days where I don't leave the house or I don't leave before a certain time of day. And like, right. that's something I guess frustrating with the job too is they because they ideal they have you start early at least at the beginning of cases all the time because they want you to catch if someone's working a job because that's like the biggest shitty thing is when someone's 
getting some sort of disability payment and then working a manual labor job on top of it that they're lying about. Hmm. So like usually I have to start at like six in the morning, five in the morning. And, uh, but what gets frustrating about that is a lot of times they'll have me on like younger people in like their younger twenties and they'll send me home cause there's been no activity at like 10 in the morning. It's like right. a fucking 21 year old's not getting up before. <laughs> <laughs> like, now I have, every time I go to the, to the gym in the gym parking lot, there's always the same other car there. And it's a very bright red Mustang. So am I being followed by the world's worst private detective? Yes. No, well, that's the weird thing. It's I, all I could afford, Dave. So the big I want to see if your podcasting with anyone else. This, this is like some horseshit too. This uh, bigger company I was working for directly when I was living out here. For a brief period of time, they had this operations manager who was like a total asshole. He was breathing down everyone's neck. He was telling, instead of just like you know, talking to the investigators about just like leaving it at what they were doing wrong or what he wasn't happy with. He would tell the people in house, like, don't give cases to this person. And the thing is when you're depending on that for your living and you're mm-hmm. suddenly working like four or five hours in a week, it's really fucked up. Like they should just tell you, Hey, we're not giving you work. Anyway, this guy, one of his bragging points about being such a good investor, cause he always referred to it as playing James Bond, which it's, it's not, it's not that exciting. It's not that cool. But he's like, when I was, when I was younger, he's never seen a James Bond movie. Yeah, He doesn't like, I don't think he's like shooting people or anything. So he, <laughs> but he, his bragging point was that he drove a yellow minivan and he's like, people would never see it coming. And I was like, ah, you're just a dick. And the That's same stupid. guy, I would notice the yellow minivan yeah, if I saw it more than once. the same guy did like, so there's one case that I was doing where, it was in an apartment building, which is always challenging, especially a big one. And this is kind of near downtown LA. And he was getting frustrated that I hadn't seen the person come out yet, but it's like they had an indoor parking garage. So like, there's just a number of reasons why it's difficult. So he went in without on a day that I wasn't working and he's like, I got them. But what he did was he like weaseled his way into the building, knocked on the person's door and he had a hidden camera. And he took a picture of the person's like child, like a 10 year old who answered the door. I was like, that's fucking creepy. Yeah. Like anyway, but that guy lasted like less than two months <laughs> at the company and they let him go. Thank, but anyway, that's like the side of the drama of this business. They don't talk about is like, especially if you have one place employee. So basically most private investigators work for a number of people and clients because one, it could slow down genuinely. And then the other thing is unless you do something really bad, they don't let you go. They'll just slow down giving you work. And there's like a, uh, I, I could see how someone who likes, you know, if you have kids or something like for me, it's great just because I could take time off, but also like, yeah, you could just suddenly not have a job or, hmm. and then some months are really just so like the insurance company people, they go on Christmas vacation and stuff too. So the months, the weeks leading up to Christmas and then the beginning of January is always pretty much dead. So you got to count on not working and yeah. Well, at least you don't have that to worry about right now because you've got this film that you're uh, yeah, the exactly. last weekend that you're doing around. Last weekend, covering and you know um, our distributor from the backseat, which I don't think exists anymore, but the movie's on Amazon. So there you go. You know I'm getting not getting those royalties from people streaming it. But yeah, go uh, watch uh, the backseat yeah, to to not uh, pay Ryan's bills. You no, know, uh, best of the decade. Thank you guys for that. <laughs> yeah, you please don't don't actually put it on your list. Like. Well, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. That's where you can find uh, uh, all sorts of, uh, I'm trying to think uh, it's, it's only been a couple days since we last recorded. So the same stuff. And it's going to be a week until this goes up. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah, that's right. So you'll have reviews this week uh, from me of queen and slim and the two popes. 
um, maybe some other stuff. I can't remember what else is going up this I week. Think of me, nineteen seventy, uh, right? Is that this week? I think so. Okay. Um, so you have those reviews up uh, at battleshipretention.com. You can email us at david at battleshipretension.com or tyler at battleshipretension.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at davypretension. You can follow Tyler at tylerpretension. Mm-hmm. Anything else to, to plug, uh, Tyler? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Uh, head on over to morethanonelesson.com and just see what's there because I don't actually know right now. What's on the Patreon this week? Patreon is a mailbag. Mailbag. Oh, those are always fun. People yeah. like the mailbags. Uh, you can listen. You can, you can find that at patreon.com slash battleship retention. Uh, tiers start as low as $2 a month. Go up to $10 a month uh, if you want to see our, our, our beautiful faces. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, subscribe, write, uh, rate, review, all that stuff. Uh, it helps. I don't know. I, yeah. I feel like such a fucking horse. And check that. out our, uh, but, um, we do also have a YouTube channel. We don't add stuff to it, but we do have some good stuff on there. Sure. Um, why not? So, and also like, uh, Can't hurt. Alexander Miller, uh, does, uh, like trailer uh, trailer reactions for trailers of movies that you have not heard of. Yeah, he did the president's last bang, uh, yeah. which is a, a 2005 Korean movie, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so that's uh, you can find all that stuff. Um, Ryan, you can find the like you said, you can see the Lost Weekend touring the world. You can see the backseat on Amazon. Anywhere else, people can can find you. Yeah, um, at the Bloody Mess on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where uh, my reviews. I try to think of like while I'm in the theater before it starts and it's always something that's like a sentence and really <laughs> stupid and probably problematic to some people but um I'm sort of proud of the the letterbox account it does not reflect my opinions of the films but uh I like to have fun with that to my uh So they're actually films. films that you have seen yeah, well, but I the reviews see. were composed before you saw them. Yeah so what I do is I I mo- what appealed to me most about letterbox initially was just tracking everything I've watched. Mm-hmm. Because like when I go on like some of my friends' podcasts, that's what they want to talk about. So I just figure, all right, I'm going to write something really, really stupid. I think for when I saw three billboards when that was playing, the review was just something like you could watch this with three bills and not get bored. Just I try <laughs> to think of the stupidest thing there you I could go. put, and uh, I did put something pretty questionable about. Um, Ford v Ferrari. Well, let's uh, uh, yeah. leave that to people to discover for themselves at the bloody mess. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for being here. <laughs> he just you. whispered you're welcome thank you at home for listening we'll get you next time bye bye This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.